Hello, my beautiful souls, and welcome to my podcast, Your Unconditioned Inner Magic. I'm Kitty O'Brien, and tonight I'm so excited. We've got Liz on, and Liz runs the Heads to Minds charity. She set it up, and I'm I'm so excited to speak to her. Hi, Liz. Hello, Kitty. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> so, Liz, you do so much. So, I mean, you do do so much. We were just talking about that. So, um, we um. We would need to do a couple of sessions to cover it all. So I'm just going to let Liz do a very quick little brief introduction and then we're going to dive in. Um, so Liz, could you just let everyone know what um, what, what you're all about? Excellent. Thank you, Kitty. Um, hello, everybody. Um, I do run my own mental health and wellbeing charity. It comes to the whole of Essex. And Kitty's right. Believe me, mental health, the umbrella is huge. First of all, let me say something. Mental health, everyone has it. Just remove the word mental because there's a lot of stigma in the word mental and say mind health. It's just mind health. That's what I say to people. And I say it to children as well. Um, and that's all it is. We all have it. Um, so I just thought I'd start with that because that's what I say in my training. We have, we do cover loads of things, Kitty. Honestly, I would literally take up about two hours to say how much we do. People say to me, how on earth do you get the energy? My nickname is Tigger. And I always say that because my staff um, laugh at me because I have got so much energy. And I always say, plug in, plug in like a phone, charge up because I've got a lot of energy. Um, and it is quite amusing. They keep saying to me, make a pot of Liz. Let's have a Liz pot because I need to suck it up so I've got your energy. And seriously, sometimes it's like, wind it in, Liz, because you have got too much energy. So. And I do go off at tangents, Kitty, so I apologise because that's my ADH brain that literally goes ping, 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 ping. Um, so in answer to your question, I do run a mental health and wellbeing charity. We work in primary schools, secondary schools. We do events, fundraising, workshops. We've got a workshop in a library tomorrow in Colchester Library where we're working with parents and children about different kind of I'm one of these firm believers that it's providing the tools and techniques to help with people's or children's emotions, behaviours, feelings, but using a little bit of holistic therapy um, or alternative, whatever you call it, to enable people to actually take the skills away, like a little wellbeing toolkit, so they can continue in their daily life. Um, all different things like vision boards, gratitude, you know, affirmations, visualization techniques, all these kind of things, anchoring, you name it, um, talking therapies. Um, so like that. Well, I'm going to breathe now, Kitty. I'm going to breathe. <laughs> I really love how you um, describe the holistic approach because I, I do a lot of that as well. And I wrote about it in my book recently. And a lot of people are like, oh, it's spiritual. I instantly think hippie, but it's not like that at all. And these techniques have been used for centuries, especially by our ancestors. And I think it's such a shame that we've almost lost, we've lost those tools and it is a central toolkit. And we're not generally taught them in school, um, in our society. I know in India and Asia, they do teach meditation. Um, and if you if you go to the doctors and say you're depressed now, one of the things they will recommend is meditation. Um, my cat has joined us, everyone. So you see fluff floating up in the air. It's, it's my cat. Um, but I I am trying to role model to my my two and a half year old son who um, is 
going to be tested for autism and hyperactivity but like when I when I meditate he's jumping all over me and I think people normally have this view that when you sit and you meditate is that you've got candles you've got the incense it's quiet music but that's actually not how it is at all when I meditate on the sofa I have like a two-year-old trying to pull me off but it's just being able to sort of I call it decluttering declutter your mind just come back into your body um and just it's like a mental break it's like a mental cleanup like our brains are like computer systems and you have to sometimes clean a computer system you know you run different things um I think they're called I actually have no idea what they're called because my brother does it for me um because when I come to technology I'm not that savvy but um yeah I've, I've really started noticing a change in Harrison's behavior because he now recognizes that when mommy lies on the sofa and you know she's just breathing because sometimes we do forget to take some deep breaths and breathe and like I call them my reset breaths that he's starting to try and copy that now so that is really wonderful because especially being hyperactive that's got a brilliant tool for him to learn moving on into the future and um and crystals we were talking about crystals earlier on I've really seen a comeback with crystals now a lot of teenagers are starting to collect them but I don't think they really realize the um, value of them and the energy they can hold and you can use them for meditation for like just I always wear one like I'm wearing them right now because it's like protection and you know they're mm. just wonderful tools and um, crystals are used a lot in science and technology they're used in the x-ray machines they use our satellites so they really do work and it's nice to sort of lose that not that I've got anything against the hippie sort of culture but it's nice that people are starting to recognize the science behind the holistic approaches. Um, so that's really, really wonderful. Yeah. And also the good thing is um, Kitty, I am yet to read your book, but it sounds fascinating. There is a very good book that is called the science behind woo woo. And it was, uh, it was written by a doctor um, of science that basically it was only done two years ago, and I was like, "Hurrah, hurrah!" Finally, <laughs> yes, you know, and I keep recommending it to someone because it it is shown that there is science behind exactly what you're talking about. Um, and me as a a crystal reiki, you name it, shaman, whatever. Um, it does actually work because the placebo effect is one of those. Mm. Um, and it is proven exactly what you've said. Crystals are used in technology and science. And the thing is, is when we delivered a, um, we did a, um, a pilot, uh, a recent primary school, and we did the whole year group. And basically we did emotional support for children. And we were helping them with their worries, their confidence, their, you know, um, relationships, all these kind of emotions. And we provided them tools and techniques and crystals, like you said, was a grounding. So it's a physical mm -hmm. thing they could hold in their pocket. But when I asked the question to all the ear groups, who likes crystals? And I got out my crystal skull. They went, honestly, 80% of every year group put their hand up and literally related to crystals. But I used it in a way that it was like a physical thing they could touch that could ground them when they were 
in school that help them mm. with their, you know, like fidget toys and things like that. Yeah. But crystals is a source of natural stone, as we know. Um, but it was just like a physical object. So I used it in that kind of capacity rather than perhaps bring the woo-woo that some people find a little bit, maybe the unknown. Um, yeah. Maybe, you know? Yeah. So it was very interesting. And a lot of our jewellery have crystals in as well. I think people mm. just don't appreciate them for what they are. Um, and it's just literally about education, isn't it? And the more the more that people talk about it, the more accepted it will be and the less of a woo-woo it will be as well. And I also find I mean, we are spirit, we are we are spirits with a body, because a lot of people think we're a body and we've got a soul attached, but actually we're a soul with a body attached. And we do live on three different planes of existence. We live in the spirit world, we live in our we live in our mind, and we also live in our body. Um so oh my goodness this cat fur is going right up my nose um, <laughs> um in my book as well I talk about the subconscious and the conscious mind because I mm. and and the paradigm and how we're conditioned and actually the other day I interviewed um a wonderful lady who has just set up programs and she calls it subconscious parenting because she's teaching people that you could you can actually carry generational trauma Mm -hmm. and that can affect how you raise your kids um because we actually a lot of our behavior is learned it's all learned behavior so and and when we're born our brain isn't fully developed when we're born it takes um the first year like 90 percent of the neural pathways are laid down but it actually takes up to the age of five to actually put all those neural pathways in place so I think with people as well and, and mental health, they don't realize that a lot of it is their paradigm and their conditioning and conditioning can happen in, in the home. It can happen in schools, peer pressure, society, what we see on social media. It's like what we are programmed to think. Um, and it's, I've noticed, I actually support a lot of domestic abuse victims that they'll leave one relationship and they'll go on the healing journey. They might go to the, you know, um, counseling, which is the humanistic approach, but it's very much listening therapy. But they'll find themselves cycling back into abusive relationships. And I think there's that lack of knowledge where people need to learn that you actually have to change your paradigm. You, you actually, it's actually, it's like neuroscience. You've got to rewire your brain so you don't keep repeating those habits and that, you know, that's that behavior. Um, so it's, and also we were talking about earlier on, like when we, when we say the word mental, I instantly think of crazy person because that's, it's the phrase used in Ireland. When you call someone mental, you're, you're implying mm. that they're, you know, not, they've lost a few marbles. Mm. So when I first went to counseling, I thought I really don't want to go to counseling because I'm not crazy, <laughs> but it was actually mm. when I went through counseling and then I studied it in university, I learned it's just it's it was nothing like I expected I was thinking of the Freudian approach where you know someone was lying on a sofa being psychoanalyzed and they had a little notepad but it's completely different and I think everybody should be open to counseling um I keep telling my family members they need to go to counseling just because it's it's just that to talk to speak something out loud to a stranger and to it's, it's, it's the whole thing it's being held in that space as well and it, it's just it's really it really helps the brain it like gives the brain a service like a car essentially um mm. so yeah it's it's, it's, oh. like you said, it's such a huge topic 
It is. And also, Kitty, I hope you don't mind me to a certain degree challenging that to a, just a little. And the reason I say that is because I'm totally with you about cancelling and what you just said. There's 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 things that from films that you get this perception. But also, I think to myself that one size doesn't fit all. No, and the reason I say that is because talking, some people don't want to talk about it because it's too raw or there's too traumatic like veterans i have clients that are in special or who have been in special forces they do not want to open pandora's box so the last thing they want to do is repeat and talk about it so i believe that there are other therapies that people can try maybe it's a combination of what you've said talking yeah. therapy or not even talking therapy it could be creative art it could be i i'm trained as a clinical hypnotherapist and people often say to me well are you going to turn me into a chicken Yes. I went, that is stage hypnosis. That is stage hypnosis. Um, But when you said about way, way back in history, hypnosis was actually used to operate like the the subconscious mind. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the the um oh my goodness, I can never think what it's called when someone is put out. What's it called when the medication? Oh the anesthetic. I can't think. Yes, uh, because I've got so, extremely high tolerance to anaesthetic. So when I had my heart surgery, they didn't realize the anaesthetic didn't work. And I was awake during it. I could get off and walk. The t- I could get up. I could walk off that table. I was talking and I could feel everything. And it was it was one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. And I didn't speak about it for years. And I thought, why would I want to speak about it and relive that trauma? So that's how I I never actually spoke about that one. But with the domestic abuse, I did speak about it because I think I had to actually physically like I thought I would I actually questioned my sense of reality. So it was helpful to talk about it. But yes, hypnotherapy, my friend Jackie does it. And it is it is um, because you are talking to the subconscious mind and changing the paradigm. And she uses it for so Mm. much stuff. And it actually funny is the media got hold of it and twisted it. And then everybody went off of it. And it was like, well, (laughs) I know, I know, funny that. And, and, and when I have clients and they go, please, you're not going to turn me into a chicken. And I went, if you don't behave, I might do. So I make a bit (laughs) of a joke about it, but the, when you were talking about the subconscious and conscious, I I work with that a lot. So I do a lot of emotional coding and things like that, reprogramming the subconscious. So it's talking to the separate part of the mind where literally, like you've just said, I, I totally agree with you, Kitty. There's some things you want to can talk about and there's other things like you just mentioned about your heart surgery. And I can't believe that actually happened. To be honest with you, you're awake. Oh my goodness, that's mind blown. But you wouldn't want to relive it. So different therapies can help in different um, respects, you know, all this kind of thing. Um, and I believe that, you know, the CBT, when you're cognitive mm. behaviour, reframing DBT, delectable, you know, there's all, and I think what it is, is finding something that works for you, finding a therapist you can build rapport with, and also allowing you the safe space. If you want to share, you can. If you don't, then you want to find some other way. And I'm totally with you about decluttering, like you said earlier, when you tidy your room, you feel so much better. When you declutter your mind, journaling, things like that mm. helps to, to you know, um, to allow that space for you to have thought and things like that. But with hypnotherapy, I personally I mean this is going right off a tangent kitty and I'm sure you'll agree with me because we're very aligned I totally believe that is it's like tv program it's like you're being programmed so come on people are we in the matrix oh now that's a bit of a oh like oh are we in the matrix but 
who because i always say to people when you drive a car you get from a to b sometimes you think to yourself well how, whoa how did i get there because you're in a self-hypnosis where because you've been programmed because you've been doing that journey through throughout it becomes a habit so you get there and sometimes think how did that happen yeah like you don't remember getting there there you go interesting that's like you're just you're just going to like an autopilot mode there you go essentially yeah. yeah um I've always wanted to try hypnotherapy actually I've always wanted to try it um mm. because it just it I think it just it does work a bit quicker than some other therapies because it's like you're there in that moment aren't you um but you should never try and, and wash your healing I, I mean I know that um it, it's a long mm. process sometimes but mm. I think I read a book recently as well. Um, I can never pronounce his name. Um, the Body Keeps the Score. And it's all about like how trauma is stored in your nervous system. And I learned a lot from that. And I kept, because I kept, I kept thinking, right, I'm healed. I've, I'm healed now. I've, I've mentally, I've done all the work. I've done all the inner child work. And then something would happen. And I would be literally so unbelievably triggered. And I'd be having this mm. physical experience. And I'd be like, but I thought I was healed. But what I didn't realize that is trauma is stored in the nervous system. And it's actually getting that trauma out and, and actually releasing it. Um, otherwise, it just, it just gets stored there. Um, and I think... Oh, there's just there's just so much about I really wish actually they would teach it in schools but then I suppose you'd have to train the teachers but I think if if people knew more about how the brain worked we wouldn't have this um because I think we're in a bit of a mental health pandemic at the moment everyone's mental health it seems to be plummeting especially with cost of living prices going up and there's that there's a lot of um fear and scarcity at the moment but I think if people realized how the brain worked and how you can like manifest things into your life and I think we would just be on a completely different level I think everybody mm. would just be in a very much a different place mm. Um, do you know what kitty i'm totally with you i the mind is so powerful and when people realize that you rather than let it control you you can you can manage it yourself and and what goes on like you just said emotional trauma is like blocked energy and it's about releasing mm -hmm. it through whatever and how the mind can manifest into physical things like headaches yes. whatever or even blocks you know you know, I don't say, you know, other kind of physical um, illnesses and vice versa as well. It is you. I mean, there's there's books out there that they say that you can use your mind to heal your body. I know in the right mindset with healing and things like that, you can. But it's different, long process. And it's about teaching people. And I'm a firm believer, like you just said, if we reach out to our younger generation yeah. and give them the tools and um, techniques at an early age, life skills and things like that at a very early age. And if people realise, like even before children are born, there's research now that, before you know, out at hearing things and arguments and things like yes. that, they are affected or can be within the womb and things like that and it's yeah. just mind-blowing and you think my goodness how does that help you know people are taking drugs and things like that it has an adverse effect and it's quite frightening actually what's the results that or 
you know what's being found out at the moment um and it's about education to a certain degree and the more we talk out the more we educate people then i think we have hope for our future generation to be honest with you um, yeah because we're just coming out of the generation now i feel like especially with when i look at like my dad's generation men they you had the stereotype like men don't cry boys don't cry you know you had that um they were the the home you know they bought the the money home and the, the woman stayed in the house and raised the children and we're just coming out of that now really big time um because I, I recognize in my own dad sometimes he doesn't talk about his emotions and I don't even <laughs> he would kill me for saying this I don't know if he knows how to deal with some of his mm. emotions sometimes because they were never taught that they were never taught it and if you were emotional well that was a very feminine trait and it was also like you know you can't call a mass you know someone who's very masculine um, emotional because it you know it affects their masculinity or something but now it's very much um you know we, we're well in schools I did work in schools for a while and they are starting to teach now thank goodness and well actually I've worked in schools about five years ago that it is okay to express your emotions that it is okay to to like because I whenever I used to really get annoyed if I saw like if a child fell over and scraped their knee and you just stood them up and brushed it off and go be brave because mm. <laughs> you're not teaching them how to vocalize what they're mm. feeling and mm. you know it's when you sit when you sit down with a child and you know and say to them like uh, right now you're angry and it's using that language and that terminology so then they're hearing that vocabulary so then they can go right well this feeling is anger so I can say that I'm angry and it's all about communication as well when it comes to the mind very much about mm. communication and communicating and and feel like we're being heard and we're you know we're valued individuals and you know we're loved as for who we are and not who mm. we're expected to be and so yeah it, yeah I know. And you know what? Everyone has a voice, Kitty. Um, everyone has a voice for whatever community, whatever background you have and the right to be able to express themselves, you know, how they want to and not be judged for it. Because I mm. believe that one of the biggest things why people don't talk out is because of judgment, stigma, discrimination, yeah. perhaps embarrassment, feeling they're on their alone. Um, and I only delivered a course today to Southend College, um, Mental Health First Aid, which I personally think should become legal I, I believe it will by the end of the year um because it's so important and if we train people to spot signs and symptoms in any school setting corporate even you know secondary schools which we've started to do because we want to train ambassadors you know have well-being ambassadors in schools so they can with their friends spot signs and symptoms before it deteriorates mm. you know we we can, like you just said, a mental health pandemic. I'm totally with you there. Like within my field, I have, I mean, I've been within the field for over 25 years, like whether it's corporate, working as a volunteer for the NHS, all this kind of thing. And I have never, ever seen so many people triggered. And when I mean triggered, what just experiencing different emotions, having flashbacks, having things that are coming up from childhood, you know, mm. dealing with and getting stressed, anger, all this kind of thing, emotion, like they've snapped. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, there's not enough support out there. The waiting lists, like we were talking about earlier, are through the roof. Yeah. You know, and I think to myself, oh, my goodness, we just haven't got the man out. So like, literally, I'm working 24-7 because I love what I do. I'm passionate. 
But even I've had to take time out recently because it was just too much, Kitty. I'm like, my goodness, how? when is this going to... It's just mind-blowing. It really is. So we need a, a huge reform of, of everything, really. Like, everything needs to be reformed. And, you know, it's even like... I keep saying about the school systems, but I think, you know, the school systems, they need a, a reform as well. And, you know, maybe... I mean, I know they have to sit these sats and these mock tests all the time, but that's just putting, I feel it puts a lot of unnecessary pressure onto young kids. And we're not letting them actually be kids so much anymore. Mm. Like we've, we want them to be mini adults, you know, and to conform to, you know, society's rules and expectations so they can get a good Ofsted grade and get rated and ranked. And I feel everybody's being like rated and ranked. And I even, <laughs> you know, I was looking at, hey, was it, no, it was Thomas the Tank Engine. And, and normally I love Thomas, but it kept saying over and over again in this particular episode, and actually in many episodes, that, you know, you need to be, um, what was the phrase? I turned it off in the end because I was like, I don't want my child listening to this. Um, oh, what was the phrase? That's going to really annoy me now. It wasn't being, um, oh, yeah, you need to be useful. You know, you need to be a useful train. You need, you know, and they kept saying the word useful. And I was like, you know, you need to prove that you can be useful. And I was like, what? I don't want, like, what? where's that? Like, why do they need to be useful? Like, we, I very much believe that, like, it's, I know we need to be law-abiding citizens, but then it's it's very much like we, we're slotted into a system and we have to work in that system. And there's like, I, I very feel much, it's like slotting people into boxes. And I'm I'm not a... I don't fit in any box <laughs> and I've discovered that now after fleeing domestic abuse and case of control and I will go out my way not to conform just because mm. like you know I, we're all on this planet to live our to live you know our fullest life and it can mm. be so abundant and full of abundance and happiness but I think it's when like yeah um it's it's yeah well that's a whole nother topic I think I know, <laughs> like, I know. Honestly. a whole nother topic but um, yeah, it's just, uh, even what you were saying earlier on about being judged and and people are afraid to speak out. Like when I was in domestic abuse, I was like, I was so scared to speak out, mainly because like the safety issues of speaking out. But I was like worried that people would think that like I was weak, that like I'd let someone treat me like that. I was worried about like what they would say to me. And, and then when I did start speaking about the domestic abuse, it was very much like, well, why didn't you leave soda and, you know, and, it, and I had so much guilt and shame about it anyway. So I don't think people really realize that when they come up with some responses, like the effect it has on the person. So I think if there was like more education around that as well, um, you know, it would, I mean, he, he broke a court order and I remember the police coming around and, and they were saying, well, it was only a mild breach. Well, we'll have a friendly chat with him. And I was like, a friendly chat, a mild breach. Like it's that terminology that really sort of brought a lot up for me. And I was just like, it was really hard to actually sit there and regulate my emotions because I was worried that if I was angry, then I'd be like seen as being resentful. Mm. Um, if I cried, I'd be dramatic, you know, a very dramatic woman crying. And if I didn't like respond emotionally, 
then it couldn't really have affected me that much because I wasn't displaying any emotions. So even like in those situations, I was so worried about how I would be perceived that I felt like I just couldn't do anything. Um, so yeah, yeah, I very much want to work with the police force as well and because they need training. I mean, most of them aren't even trauma response trained and well, that's another whole topic about the lack of training the police force have. It's like, yeah, oh, I've kitty. gone on a tangent there. Oh, my goodness. No, that's fine. I've done, a, I've done work with the police force in the past, Essex Police. Um, they have actually recently, or they are in the process of putting a mental health uh, team together. Um, I spoke to them, oh, my goodness, probably about a couple of months ago. Um, and they are doing a lot of work um, because a high percentage of their calls are mental health based, whether it's yeah. drugs, alcohol, um, and they need support. They do need support. So I did a video for them years ago um, because of my lived experience and they used it in the training um, session for all everyone over the police force. So when COVID hit, um, I was talking to some when it, you know, when we were allowed out and things like that, I was talking to some police that were in um, where I live. And I said, just out of interest, what has actually increased? Because I was interested to know, and domestic abuse was top, yeah. one of the top ones in, within COVID. And then someone goes to me, um, I recognize you. And I was thinking, oh my goodness. I went, oh no, <laughs> I'm not on the wanted poster, am I? And I was laughing. <laughs> they went, have you done a video for the Essex Police? And I went, uh, yeah, like that. Anyway, they'd see the training. Um, and I was really like, please, because they do want people with lived experience who've had, um, you know, dealings with the police and whatever reason to educate people and to help people that they're actually, you know, they are there to help. I mean, yeah. you know, and it is about, like you've just said about education, um, and with regards to domestic abuse, I work um, or partner with a very good charity that's called Alpha Vista, and they do a lot of work with regards to domestic abuse, narcissistic, cohesive behaviour, or, or however you pronounce it. Um, and they are fantastic because they work with the police, they do talks, they've done a recent campaign that's coming out actually soon about how films and how yeah. it can be unhealthy or healthy relationship Even about the music language. videos. Yes. Like, and yeah. yeah, like literally. And for me, my domestic abuse was at the age of 15. And that when it's 15, I didn't talk out about it. And, you know, and that's a big thing when, when you're in, uh, for anyone in any kind of relationship, and then when you get, well, why didn't you leave? Like, yeah. okay, you have no idea. You have no idea what it's like to be in that kind of relationship. And with what you're going through, Kitty, it must be the most frightening, emotional. Um, do, you, do you see what I mean? And please, people, do not judge when you, you don't know the full story. That's what I get frustrated about when people make assumptions about a situation. Well, if it was me, I would have left. Um it's not quite that no. easy. <laughs> no, because like I was yeah. I was trauma bonded and a lot of people are like, what on earth does that mean? But trauma bonding is a psychological effect, a response to the abuse. And um to to recognize myself that I was trauma bonded and then literally breaking away from that. I mean, if it wasn't for my mum coming and getting me with a suitcase, 
I, I mean, I know I had to leave, but I was just like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to leave. And I, I, there are times I questioned my sense of reality. I had actually memory loss as well when I left. And I, to be honest, I really didn't want to remember what had happened to me. But mm-hmm. giving police statements, I had to go back over text messages, voice messages. I had to read my diary. And it was like, like you said earlier on, I opened Pandora's box and I couldn't close it again. Mm-hmm. And then I had to deal with like, like I would just have flashbacks during the day where I'd start remembering stuff and I'd be like oh my god how did I ever forget that and then it was a shame that I had forgotten that but then it was through learning actually the science of the brain that your brain does things like that to protect itself so it was like okay there's a scientific explanation I don't feel so bad now because like I really struggle to to cope with my emotions and I I always say like I'm a typical Capricorn typical Capricorn so for me emotions are a little bit of a a thing anyway (laughs) you know right and I really especially when I'm like you know with Harrison I very much want to role model to him and I've never spoken about my emotions so much in my life but I'm I'm doing it and I'm breaking that paradigm to teach him the language Mm. around emotions Mm. so um and role modeling and and you know because at one point I couldn't even cry in front of him because I thought it's not healthy for him to see me cry Mm. and then Mm. I was like well what's that teaching him you know so there's been so many changes in my brain honestly and and it keeps it keeps going and I'm like and that's okay because actually we're constantly evolving as people so we're constantly healing and we're going to constantly encounter traumas throughout our whole life you know and I think like what you're doing is amazing because you're teaching people the coping mechanisms and the, the skills and the resources and the tools so you know because with counseling you could have counseling for one trauma and then you you've you've sort of dealt with that and then you might hit another trauma and you're like oh well I've got to go back to counseling now but it's teaching people that to um I mean if I need to go to counseling that's fine but how to deal with those traumas and like and move on with them themselves and have that like be dependent on themselves rather than codependent on somebody else to try and fix that issue you know it's it's teaching people like to be dependent on themselves which is just amazing Mm, 100% and I always say I totally agree with um you Kitty and it's not easy facing your demons or facing the past and things like that because like we said before you've said about opening Pandora's box and finding it very hard to to close it because then you have flashbacks and they are sometimes horrific like literally um and then you you, like you said your subconscious protects you because it doesn't it's trying to protect you from that memory because it is you know and it's so powerful like you said about the science of the brain and things like that that's when sometimes in hypnotherapy it's quite interesting because people think you're put to sleep you're not you're in a relaxed state like you talked about meditation and things like that but if your subconscious doesn't want to go there or you're not ready, it will literally wake the person up. Yeah. Because it's like protecting it that, hang on a minute, I'm not ready to deal with that yet. Do you see what I mean? So mm. it is quite, it's, it's, it's very, very interesting subject. One that you could debate for probably for about the next three weeks on different topics. Yeah. It? And there's always stuff being learned as well always start like it's a constant we're like we really don't know anything about the brain and the subconscious mind makes up 90 percent of our brain power our conscious mind is only 10 so it's just I mean I talk to my subconscious mind before I go to bed at night and people at first were like what are you on but I'm like 
I'm putting that brain power to good use. <laughs> like, yeah. And when you and when you're in that relaxed state, that's when your subconscious mind starts to take over more, and that's when the healing in your body takes place. Um, because it's your subconscious mind. It's it, like when you eat food, it breaks your food down. It builds muscle tissue. It builds bone. It builds blood cells. It does your whole immune system. Like your your subconscious mind controls all the um, all our systems in our body. Like our conscious mind could never do a job like that. And it like earlier on we said we can manifest whatever we we want into our lives. Like if Bob, Bob Proctor, who passed away last year, God, I loved him. Mm. He said, if you can see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hands. Mm. And that is so true. And the people are like, that's not, that's not right. And I'm like, okay, then look around you. Everything you see that's not made from nature started off as a, a daydream or a dream in someone's subconscious mind. And then it went into their conscious mind and they made it into reality. The sofa I'm sitting on, that was someone's, that, that was in, that started off in someone's head. Someone invented it. Like this, this so, the idea of a sofa was born in someone's brain and then they manifested it into reality. And now we have the privilege of being on a comfy sofa. Like our phones, our car, like every, the laptop, everything. It started off as a thought in someone's brain. And now it's mm. manifested mm. into our reality. So I go to bed every night and I'm like, right, subconscious, I need some money, figure it out. And when I wake up in the morning, I'll have the answer. And I do. And people are like, all right. But I, when I wrote about it in my book, my mum was like, I can see how that works. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like. And, and do you know what? Kitty, it's true. And all it is really, I, it's like talking to your inner child, isn't it? Or inner you know, and 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 it is <laughs> obviously you do make me laugh. But, no, but I love it because it it's when I say to people when I deliver training, I say to them, when you get a gut feeling or you get a thought like you've just said, and then you think it, and then what happens is your analytical mind kicks in and then you question the arse out of it. Why have I had that thought? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this instead. Because you, you talk to your, your subconscious or your, con you know, yeah. I'm going to do this, right? So what happens is you make the decision. Two weeks later, you think to yourself, nuts, right? Or mm, why did I not go with my initial thought that I had two weeks ago? I'm not saying all the time, yeah. but a high percentage you have that thought or that from somewhere for a reason. Go with it because trust the process because yes. there's a reason that's coming in. Try if you can. It's not easy. And I'm not saying it is. Not let your analytical mind kick in and question the arse out of it that makes you make a decision that you think you wish you'd stuck with the original one. Yeah. You know, you know sometimes we, we get in the way of ourselves. Like when I channel, like when I do tarot readings, um, I'm incredibly accurate and it blows people away. And they're like, I think I channel it through my body. I listen to my gut feeling because mm. if I questioned it for a second, I wouldn't say the words because I'd be thinking, if I say that, they're going to think I'm crazy. So I just literally, I just, I, I just use my body as a tool because yep. our bodies are our tools. Yep. And even with certain situations now, like if I'm going to do a podcast with somebody, I'll feel how I feel about it. I'll go, mm. well, how do I feel about it? because I'm going to go with that rather than my brain because our body is a tool and I say like our, our gut feeling is actually um we're receiving messages from the divine whatever you believe in it's not like a religious statement but 
you know, there is, there is a power out there. There is something, there is an energy and it's like, I give one example, my neighbor, a couple of doors down, she said she was sitting there outside having a cup of tea in her garden. And she just suddenly thought I have to get up and move. And she just, she just did it. She's like, I was nice and relaxed. So you're more likely to respond to your gut feeling if you're nice Mm. and relaxed. Mm. So she just stood up and moved and a tile slid off the roof and smashed on the chair she was sitting on. If she had questioned it for a split second, she would have been dead, Mm. would have killed her. Mm. But that, how on earth would she have known that tile was going to fall off the roof? Mm. So our bodies can pick up on stuff that, and it's like, the, oh, my goodness, my cat's clawing the hell out of me. <laughs> I was going to say danger response there. We might like our bodies are so in tune with our environment and it's, it's like a survival instinct as well. You know, um, you know, when you look at like nature and animals and stuff, they they're so in tuned into their environment mm. and they go with they, they use their body. Um, mm. And our, our bodies sometimes can pick up on danger before it happens we have that funny feeling and then we and then we act on it and then we're like thank god i did that exactly and it's the same sort of concept like you when you walk into a room and there's a saying oh you could cut the atmosphere yeah. with a knife like come on yeah there's energies we've we've all got the ability let's find it let's use it as you said we all have i believe psychic ability we just don't yeah. we haven't unlocked it yet and animals we do animal therapy in the charity so we go into schools with our dogs and we we work with children um and it's a common ground with animals and it really works sensory autism you know collecting. oh yeah and you know what one of my dogs boris bless him boris um he is so highly in like in tune and what he does bless him he if someone needs reassuring, he will literally go up to someone and he looks at you as if to say, I know, I know. And then what he does, he literally either puts his paw on you saying, it's okay, like in doggy language, because they do telepathically yeah. talk. You can. We have people that are horse whispers. We have people that can talk to animals. We have, all right? I know not verbally, but even some animals, they do go, bow, 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 you know. But what I'm saying is, I know I'm going off at a bit of a tangent, but go with me. But what I'm saying is they tune in. They they can sense. They can sense like your cat and, you know, different animals. And he does. He goes, and then he puts his head on someone's lap or they goes between these and they go, oh, what's he doing that for? And because I'm in tune with my dog, I go, because he's trying to reassure you. Something's going on. And they went, they go, uh how does he know that it's quite interesting how it works yeah Yeah. but they have dogs that are trained to pick up if someone's about to have an epileptic fit you know we are we are literally we are tuned through we we don't use our bodies enough and we neglect our bodies as well and we don't we take advantage of them probably because they're for free we were born with one I mean if you had to pay for something you'd look after it better wouldn't you it's like our brains we just got given those so we do we neglect our brains we don't take time out we don't we don't take time out for ourselves because we don't tend to appreciate what we have and we're not grateful for what we have but if we have to pay 500 pounds for it we we take you know we give it more attention um not all the time though um <laughs> but most Kitty, of you the know time what? that is really interesting that you said that it really that i've never thought of it like that but you're right we are given a body and our mind and it's quite ironic how we you know i i held my hands up in the past i used to drink like a fish um you know, and I abused my body to be to a certain degree, mentally and physically, because I used to 
binge drink and I used to smoke and things like that. Now, we all know it's not healthy, but it can be a coping mechanism. However, our bodies are quite incredible because the amount of, you know, potentially we food we eat, we can mm. eat shit, you know. And then all of a sudden we expect it to work. And then when it doesn't, we're like, how dare it? How dare you give me that? And you think, well, you've just put loads of shit in it and you've done this and that. Yeah. What do you expect? It's not. It's not superhuman, your body. It literally yeah. needs Yeah, it's like you of... get annoyed with it. Yeah. It's like, why have you let yeah. me down today? And it's like, well, you should have looked after it better. Honestly. Yeah, and also, we're a high percentage water. So yes. people don't hydrate. So no wonder you feel like you're uh, like that because you're yeah, not drinking. Yeah, people you don't know. drink enough water. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, Harrison's constantly got a drink out. I lay them all over the place. So he's always got like, because he was at an age where he couldn't ask for a drink, but I wanted to make sure he had access to them all the time. And kids just take a little sip here and there, don't they? They don't normally drink a whole glass, but he, I mean, he goes to bed with a beaker in case he wakes up during the night he's thirsty. Oh. Because I just think like, it's so important. So, so important. Um, The, the fluff is coming here again. But, um, like a little black she's so black bless her um she's gorgeous I do love her so but yeah like animal therapy like just stroking it's like really calming and reassuring so I love the fact that you use animals um I remember in my grandmother's care home they used to bring animals in um mm. and you know and it just settled everybody you know that people with especially with dementia you could just see them just like just go really yeah. calm and and it's wonderful, absolutely mm. wonderful. Yeah, we, we've been into care homes as well. And it's quite interesting how um, it just brings a smile to someone's face. Yeah. And when you go into care homes, they reminisce about, you know, some had pets and it brings mm. back the memories of pets. And, you know, and they talk about that. And it's, it's really, it's quite emotional, actually, when you do that um, and go into care homes because... You know, um, yeah, it, it just is. I won't go down there because it's it is quite emotional. Yeah, I think like the elderly as well suffer with their mental health. I just think we're all suffering at the moment. You know, just just like you know, saying earlier on, it's a thirty month wait for appointments on the NHS for like my son, and it's just like. I remember I said to the lady on the phone, I was like, that can't be right. And she went, well, if you don't like it, go private. And I was like, what? Helpful, helpful. Wow. But then I have to, normally I'd get really angry by a comment like that. But now I'm, now I think, what's happened to her today mm. to respond like that? So mm. everyone's got their own, um, everyone's got stuff going on in the background that we're not aware of. And they yeah. might not even be aware of. So it was like I saw a post earlier on. It's like, if you can be anything in this world, just be kind, you know, and that's that really makes such a big difference. Yeah. Um, and I think and showing... Know... Oh, go on, sorry. sorry. Oh, no, I was just saying like showing people like just saying thank you and, and please and just showing you appreciate somebody can really like make that day for them. 100%. Um, random acts of kindness mm. it doesn't cost anything or doesn't have to. And if everyone did it, I set the children uh, in, the, in when we were doing the, the primary school I challenge, challenges. I was saying, right, I want you to do three random acts of kindness. Um, and they were all giggling. And also, I want you to write three things you're grateful for or thankful for. And if we all did that, 
yeah. would have a massive, and I'm sure you agree with me, Kitty, a ripple effect. Because even when you smile at someone, it actually lifts their mood. And yeah. as you said, it's not about making assumptions. If someone has a go at you, I really like what you said. If someone or reacts in a way, don't always think it's you. No, because it's, it's not. the other person. It possibly could be what they're going through or they're defensive or whatever. Don't automatically it's something think it's something you said or what's going on. It could be what's going on in their life. And I think sometimes we automatically blame ourselves. Mm. Oh, have I upset that? And it might not be anything to do with you. Do you see what I mean? Because yeah. we're then our self-esteem, our negative self-talk, our yeah. imposter syndrome, why we feel the need to compare ourselves. If we actually spoke to ourselves kindly and, you know, in a nicer way and stop criticising our own personal self-esteem, I think that would also help. Um, uh, yeah, know. that was a hard lesson for me, especially when I left domestic abuse and case of control, because I was saying stuff, even though I was out of that abusive relationship, I started talking to myself how he spoke to me. Mm. And I was like, hang on, that's not that's I would like that's him talking but actually it was you know and it was even sometimes in his voice and it was inside my head and I was like oh hang on this is like I really have to address this because it was I so I even now I'm very hard on myself sometimes like I always think like I should be further along than I am or mm. you know I always think like um I, I expect so much of myself and I have a, a goal board and sometimes I think well I should have done those goals by now mm -hmm. and then I'm like wait hang on divine timing you mm -hmm. know the universe will give you know the universe gives us things I believe I say the universe the divine whatever you want to call it like it gives us everything that we need in perfect timing mm -hmm. so it's just and we, I think as a culture as well we expect things immediately we expect things on demand so especially you know and, and I think that has an effect on mental health as well because we might want something and we want we want it now like this very second and we don't want to wait for it and then when we have to wait for stuff it can really be challenging sometimes like you know there's a few things that I'm waiting for like outcomes of court cases and stuff and I want to know it now but like mm. no I've got to wait a couple of months and it's just being comfortable with waiting you know, and, mm. and not letting the anxiety build and build and build and just, and just breathe, you know, <laughs> I, I, I keep saying to people, you just got to breathe, just got to take some deep breaths. And, and that even the, the act of taking a couple of deep breaths just instantly calms us. Mm. So. Well, it's like when someone has a panic attack, mm. what they say is the first thing to concentrate on is breath or breathing because it regulates not only, you know, your thoughts and things like that it helps you in all kinds yeah. of aspects and I I and people say we do actually we do sometimes take it for granted breathing because yeah. it happens like you said subconsciously but when you do practice it and there's all different types and you can feel it, you know, we work with children, we do elephant breathing, which is hilarious, where you pretend you're elephants and we do it in a fun way, you know, yeah. to really have a full reset. And then there's different ones, but it makes it in a fun way. So, you know, with essential oils, you can do it. Lavender, we all know oh, about, yeah, you know, I love kind essential of oils. It's just, yeah, there's just different ways, but it's like we do take it for granted. And you're exactly right, um, Kitty, that when we do just 
you know, just take five or something like that. It just helps balance, rebalance, recalibrate, whatever, you know, the, the thoughts and the minds and things like that. So it's powerful uh, as well. Yeah. So, Liz, what events do you have coming up for people? Good question. We Where do can ha- they find you? <laughs> Where can they find me? Um, I there's quite a few events so the best thing to do is actually have a look on the heads the minds website however we have got um one tomorrow a culture library but that is for families and also we've got another one coming up on the 25th and 26th of february which is in chumpsford um it's in broomfield uh i think trying to think hold on let me look at the uh, i can't even see i haven't got my glasses on i'm trying to think <laughs> sorry it's called, to put you on the spot. i know no it's called the, cheer, the cheerful chai cafe in broomfield two of my very good friends and i think you know charlotte and perhaps amanda yeah. they are running it and it's like a well-being weekend for parent and child where they're doing different kind of I don't know, working together to help emotions, you know, through maybe dance, whatever comes up. Um, and they are fantastic. Like Charlotte and Amanda know their stuff. Um, Charlotte used to be a dance teacher anyway. And Amanda is very much into, you know, meditation, mindfulness. But it's not just about that. It's about connecting with people. It's about working with parent and child. So you get to know communication, Kitty, mm-hmm. you know, and understanding that when you said earlier, about showing vulnerability and whether you should cry in front of your child. I, when we delivered a parent workshop the other day for 40 parents, actually, one of the questions was asked, you know, is it okay to show emotion? Um, because I was, the, 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 the adult was dealing with bereavement and didn't want to show that he, the dad, this was crying in front of his son. Um, and, I opened it out to everybody else. I knew what I was going to say, but I wanted to ask other parents. And one lady turned around and said, I've just had something very similar happen. And I did cry. And the connection with my child has actually improved because I showed emotion and vulnerability Mm. and the child then understood it. Yeah. And she said, all I can say is be open and honest and authentic. Yeah. And I've always followed that. And, and that mirrored what I thought. And the dad was really pleased. He said, thank you. You know, um, anyway, I've gone off a bit of tangent. You asked me about events. No, no. <laughs> the reason I said that is because uh, Charlotte and Amanda are fantastic. Um, they are, they use different tools and techniques. And it is about working with the parent and child. Um, yes. And it's on the 25th and 26th, different age groups. So perhaps have a look at the website. And you'll find it. But that's the next one that's coming up. There are other events throughout the year, but probably best. I don't want to keep like list them because I'll be like that. Yeah, but yeah, no. Have, a, have, have a look on the website. But thank I'll you put your asking. website link in the description box for everybody. So you can click on this and it will take you straight to the page. And you've also got the Facebook page as well. So I'll put that one down too. So, well, thank you so much for coming on, Liz. <laughs> I just love talking to you. We have so much. We're in such the same loud. wavelength. Mm. Um, we'll have to have you on again. And, um, yeah, thank you so much. And I will say goodbye to my lovely audience. And thanks for tuning in and thanks for listening. And, yes, if you want to reach out to Liz, please do. Yeah, thank you, Kitty. Thank Take you. care. Bye. Bye.